Hello, and welcome to the Parish Insight Podcast. On our podcast, we hope to uplift your spirits and to help you through a rough day. Believe it or not, there are small changes that you can make in your lifestyle that will promote good health. Evaluating where you need to make changes to support mental, physical, and spiritual health is the first step in becoming a healthier you. So here is your host, Father Lee. Hello once again, this is Father Mike Lee with my good friend and show producer, Doc Allen. We're glad you could join us today. It's that time of year when we start planning for the summer months. Vacations, weddings, and graduations. However, the one important day of the month is Mother's Day. I watch reality police shows on occasion, and after the perpetrator is told he or she is going to jail, they always ask to see their mother. Mothers are a very important part of our lives, and in the following story we'll hear about a mother who who never give up on her son. Her worst fears had come true. Her son had become involved in a strange mystical religion. She had such high hopes for him. Since his infancy she prayed God would touch his life. Her husband wasn't a Christian and sometimes, in a temper, would taunt her praying, but she kept on. Her son grew up in a small town. The family owed their home, but they weren't wealthy. Determined their son would have a good education, they scrimped and saved to send him to school. Somehow his brother and sister didn't receive the same attention or prayers. He did extremely well in school. People began to notice his brilliant mind. A prominent citizen of the town set up a scholarship for her son's graduate studies. She was so proud. Her joy diminished with worries about his spiritual health. He attended church some, but he refused baptism. And there were little incidents, stealing, things like that. She worried and she prayed. He excelled in graduate school and finished with high expectations. But his religion, his letters contained long explanations of finding true reality, and speculation, how reality divided into darkness and light. Jesus was not truly God incarnate, he said, but an example of pure light entrapped and suffering in matter. He had always been good with words, but these words wounded her. She decided to visit him. She thought her heart could stand no more pain, but she was wrong. He was living with a girl and they weren't married. They had a son. She was a grandmother, but she couldn't be proud of it. In desperation, she explained the situation to her minister. He told her that the son of so many tears could never come to destruction. Somehow the message seemed from God. The years passed. Her son was unhappy with his job, he was often ill. He left the girl but kept the son. Finally, he became disillusioned with his mystical religion and began to question her about God. He started to go to church again. There he found Christian friends and questioned them. He began to read the Bible. Her prayers increased. Her husband died, but he had become a Christian in his final illness. She, too, grew weaker, older. She feared she would die before the prayers for her son were answered. Her grandson was a teenager now, and she went to visit. A changed son met her, a son hungry to know about God, asking questions, requesting prayer. 
a son who would one day rush to tell her he had given his life to God by trusting Jesus as his personal saviour. At Easter her son and grandson were baptised. Their times together now were so precious, talking about the Lord and praying together. Her prayers overflowed with thanks, but still she desired much more for her son. She knew her son as a Christian less than a year. In the August after his Easter baptism, she breathed her last and went home to the Saviour, to whom she had spent so much of her life talking. She never saw with earthly eyes the great man of God her son became. She never heard his great sermons or read writings that determined much of Christian theology. She never knew her son's insights would jog Martin Luther into seeing that one is justified by faith alone. She would never hear her son's words that caused so many hearts to consider Jesus as Saviour. Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. Every part of this story is true, the mother who prayed was Monica, the mother of Saint Augustine. We'll be back after this break. Hey, neighbor, beautiful day, isn't it? Yeah. Hey, I wanted to talk to you about this fence. Remember, we both agreed to pay half. Bob, instead of reimbursing you, I've decided to become a really good person. What? Hey, what's better, getting paid for half a fence or living next door to a great neighbor? Hmm? But we had an agreement, and you're not paying me. That's a bad thing. But I don't do bad things. I'm, I'm a good person. Why, I've been doing nothing but good things for a whole year. In fact, the most recent polls show that 99 out of 100 people like me. Doesn't that prove I'm good? Look, if you're not going to pay me, you could at least admit you wronged me. I'm willing to forgive you, but help me here. Why do I need your forgiveness? Everybody loves me. Well, 99 out of 100 anyway. The Bible declares that because we have sinned, we have wronged God, and any attempt at us being good is fruitless until we first ask God for his forgiveness. Have you asked? Another message from Lifeline Productions, located on the web at lifelinepro.com. Hello, and welcome to the Parish Insight Podcast. On our podcast, we hope to uplift your spirits and to help you through a rough day. Believe it or not, there are small changes that you can make in your lifestyle that will promote good health. Evaluating where you need to make changes to support mental, physical, and spiritual health is the first step in becoming a healthier you. So here is your host, Father Lee. There seems to be something about mountains which appeals to the human imagination. Many will remember the huge excitement generated by Hillary and Tenzing's ascent of Mount Everest, believed then to be the first men ever to climb that massive mountain. Although lately it seems George Mallory may have beaten them to it, losing his life in the process. But now we have better technological support. Everest is climbed so frequently and with such apparent ease by both men and women that it's no longer considered newsworthy. People are literally queuing up to climb it. George Mallory wasn't the only person to lose his life climbing mountains. Everest alone has claimed more than 100 lives, but still people clamor to climb it. And the same thing is true of most mountains. Young people, people in their 20s and 30s often with young families, die climbing mountains. Mountains are dangerous areas, yet still human beings are drawn to mountains, and some seem to have a desperate need to climb them. No one seems to know quite what the attraction is. Perhaps it's the satisfaction of physical challenge, of pitting yourself against the elements. Perhaps it's getting away from it all, 
the chance to step back from life for a while. For us lesser mortals who may just about manage to stagger up Snowden or Scaffold once in a while, it might be the thought of the amazing panoramic view from the top if you're lucky enough to hit a day when the peak is free from cloud. But for most mountaineers the answer usually seems to be, because it's there. Or perhaps it's something to do with God. There's certainly a feeling of being close to the wild and untamed elements of nature on a mountain, a feeling which has long been associated with holiness. Somehow, when people come face to face with the vastness and the majesty of the earth, they perhaps sense something of God. From the beginning of the Bible certain mountains were considered to be holy places, places where you might meet with God. Moses met God on a mountain and learned God's name, and then used to regularly meet with God on Mount Horeb. In the New Testament, Jesus took Peter, James and John up a mountain, and was there transfigured before them. That transfiguration confirmed the holiness, the deity of Jesus. Jesus often wandered into the mountains to be alone and to commune with God. As the Psalm 121 says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. And just as people continue to do today, Jesus would return from the hills refreshed and renewed and ready to continue with his life's work. So perhaps it wasn't altogether surprising that on his last appearance on earth after his death and resurrection, Jesus invited his disciples to meet him on the mountain in their home territory of Galilee. Neither is it surprising that when they saw him they worshipped him, for if you meet your dead leader alive and well on a mountain, you would surely know you were meeting with God. What is surprising is that we're told some doubted. Presumably this was a significant doubt, one which was sufficiently disturbing to the early church to be recorded. And presumably it was more than one person, for if it was only one or two disciples out of the eleven we'd be told, Thomas doubted, or Thomas and James doubted, or whatever. How is it possible to actually see your dead leader alive and well again, and doubt? And what did they doubt? The evidence of their own eyes and of six weeks of resurrection appearances? Or did they accept all that but still doubt that Jesus was divine? Did they think that despite all they had experienced and seen through Jesus, they couldn't possibly be meeting with God? From the beginnings of the Bible, the beginnings of the Jewish religion, it was well known that no one could see God and live. God, like the mountain, was mighty and supremely powerful and somewhat unpredictable. No one knew when his wrath might inadvertently break out against his people with dire results. That's why Moses, and later the priests, were the intermediaries between God and his people, because it was too dangerous for the ordinary people to meet with God. And after Moses met with God, he had to wear a veil over his face, for his face shone so radiantly that it hurt people's eyes. So with all that historical background, with generations centuries of tradition which said no one could see God and survive the experience, what were the disciples to make of this man, this human being, this friend of theirs, who asked them to meet him on a mountain? Some were able to take a huge leap and acknowledge Jesus as somehow or other, the human face of God himself, even though such a thing had never been heard of or thought of before. Others, although they apparently fell down and worshipped him with all their friends, weren't quite so sure in their own minds. They didn't disbelieve, but they didn't believe either. They doubted. They needed more time to come to terms with these new ideas. 
But as far as Jesus was concerned, none of that mattered. He commissioned all of them, both those who were certain and those who doubted, to go out and spread the news to the whole world. There was only one way any of them could do that, through the God within, the Holy Spirit. Baptism is entry into the Christian church, and so they were to encourage new church members in the name of God the Father the Creator, God the Son Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit the God within. Nothing has changed. We can still meet God on mountains, and anywhere else we choose. We're still invited to spread the good news and to encourage new church members. And whether you're rock solid in your Christian beliefs, or whether you doubt, you're all equally welcome and equally precious to God and to His church, and you're all invited to play your particular part in sharing God's love with your friends and neighbors. And you can do that, because Jesus is always with us to the end of time itself, through the Holy Spirit, the God within. I would like to close out our podcast with a prayer. Heavenly Father, there's a problem with mountains they have to be climbed. They don't just disappear or conveniently move out of the way. And mountain climbing is dangerous. It's a risky business. Lord, some aspects of Christianity are like mountains, huge insoluble problems. Just as so many aspects of life seem to be huge, insoluble problems. Lord, help me to remember that I can meet you on mountains, and that the rewards of mountain climbing have to be experienced to be appreciated. Give me the courage and endurance to go forward in faith. Stop me crawling back into the comfort zone of the Christian couch potato, but equip me to be a Christian mountaineer. I ask this through God the source of all being, Jesus God become human, and the Holy Spirit the God within. Amen. That's our podcast for now. We'll be back soon with some uplifting thought and stories. I'm Father Mike Lee. We'll see you next time. Loved what you've heard on this week's episode? Well, well, the answer is simple. It would mean the world to us if you could head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review and feedback. Spreading the word really is the best way to grow our podcast and achieve even greater things. Thank you. Thank you.